Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Knit a Spell. I'm so excited, Katie. Yes, me too. My former neighbor, did you know that she used to live down the street? We used to live in the same neighborhood. Laura Tempest Zakroff, visual artist, author, designer, an amazing dancer, and witch. Her work embodies myth and the esoteric through her drawings, paintings, jewelry, talismans, and other designs. Plus, she's a cat mom. And she's amazing and a fabulous friend. If you ever have a chance to be her neighbor and friend, you couldn't ask for a better one. She's the author of the best-selling Llewellyn books, Weave the Liminal, Sigil Witchery, and most recently, Anatomy of a Witch, among others, as well as the award-winning Liminal Spirits Oracle, The Witch's Cauldron, and more. Welcome, Tempest, to Knit a Spell. Yay! Thank you for having. Now I have the like. Won't you be my neighbor? That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Tempest, won't you be my neighbor, please? Sounds amazing. Light from Lantern presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker Katie Rempe, and I'm the maker of magic James Divine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. The house next door to us went up for sale a while ago and was like, anybody? Like, listing. Yeah. I'm putting the pride flag out front and a few other witchy things just to make sure we get the right neighbor. But it was right. very tempting. And so did you guys first meet just through being neighbors? No, I think it was um it was at one of the the pagany witchy events. Um like what it's not what it's called now. <laughs> what was the thing before it was called this? It's called something You know, else. it's funny. We might have first met like in California or something and then realized, wait, we live down the street from each other. I think it might have been one of those situations and then became much closer because of that. Our partner Cloven also has something called Tempest Me Downs. So when Tempest <laughs> had been downsizing in, in anticipation of her move. There was a yard sale and Cloven went over and has some, you know, clothing of Tempest. And he still wears it when he goes out to the club and he's like, oh yeah, this is one of my Tempest me downs. Oh. It was a special time. Okay. So Tempest, tell us your origin story. How were you raised? Where and how did magic or witchcraft enter your life? I was born. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> Uh, so I am I am the result of uh, basically an Italian Sicilian Catholic and a Russian um, Baltic Jew, and uh, was raised on the Catholic side. Mom one, <laughs> that was part of the agreement that my mom could marry my father if the kids were raised Catholic. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but at a very young age, I was like, what? Like, why can't women be priests and do the stuff? And I don't, you know, understand, you know, like that I did, I was got, I got sent to the principal's office when I was six because <laughs> we're doing a church, a church tour. You know, it was like near the end of the year. It was almost my birthday, I think, around their tour. Mm-hmm. What do you can actually fit on my birthday? And I'm like, well, my, my brothers who are much older than me, they were acolytes, you know, altar boys. So I had like, why can't I go up and sit where they sit? I don't understand that. And they're like, well, you, you can't. And they're like, tell me why. For no good reason. <laughs> yeah. So like at six, I was like, this is bullshit. So kind of kicking that off. I was like, it's not right. Uh, and that's a very good student, you know, because I've always been like, well, 
good little school person of doing, you know, getting good grades and all that. So I, I know the ins and outs of Catholicism as well as other religions, but I just knew I'm like, this is not, this is mm-hmm. not a thing. And it wasn't until my teenage years, like I had read The Mists of Avalon, um, which got me really angry. Uh, and I don't, now, obviously don't recommend that book for other reasons now, but at, when I was 14, it was very inspiring uh, to be like, there's there's other ways of you know existing and like, well, this religion was destroyed and you know, which we know it's mostly fiction, but, but not much longer after that, I found Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler. And like here, you know, especially at that time in the nineties where you had so many books coming out, but they had a really fantasy covers. And I'm very precocious, very serious child. It's like, it looks like a fantasy book. But then there's Margot Adler's book of like a photograph and NPR and all that. And like this, this looks like worth my time. And that's when I discovered there are all these different groups all over the United States and one was coming from the UK and that set off the whole, um, everything in motion of like going out and finding, because of course in the back, right? You have the send yourself address stamped envelope too. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh. It's such a groundbreaking book. I remember reading that book, um, oh my gosh, 24 years ago, and just mind blown that there was so much that existed already. I had a concept of it, but Margot Adler's book on all the different traditions, and it was just one after another after another. And when I realized every time then I heard her on NPR, as a reporter and i thought oh it's a she's a witch <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, i wish that i w- that i could have met her and i had opportunities to meet her when she was still alive we were in the same events and places and i never got an opportunity cuz I, I didn't want a fangirl around her but what an amazing book you know that is just as a resource yeah i ate that book up too i love that unfortunately oh. it's it's a bit out of date and it's not complete with everything but i still think especially if you're practicing in north america to know to explain what's happening now it's a great way to see what's going on and i haven't quite find anything else that's as comprehensive um, and as balanced she really brought the npr practicality and research to that book and there's been a few other books that seem to like kind of claim that they're doing the same thing um, and it's like, this is my personal memoir. I'm like, you either are doing a exploration of these different traditions and past, or you're having a personal memoir. It's not, it's not both. It's not the right. same. Yeah. 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 So what about witchcraft then spoke to you? It seems like you're pretty versed in several religions. Um, what about this one in particular? I mean, not that it's a religion, but you know, it's a practice. A, a practice um, way of life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the idea that divinity reflects us, we reflect divinity, um, and that it's present within us and all around us, so being an animist and a pantheist, uh, you know, seeing all of that, a polytheist, all, all of the, all the P's, um, those things coming into play, uh, personal power, recognizing our influence over the world, that that there are many subtle ways as well as profound ways that we can affect ourselves and the world around us. Uh, all of that just is called to my dark little soul. And yet you seem like such a light personality. I always find <laughs> people who say they're dark souls are actually like have a great sense of humor and, you know, well, maybe that's part of it, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is a prerequisite. Otherwise we'd be like, 
boring. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't we can't so, all be ER. ER's job is taken. That's a good point. Yes. Tempest will definitely put many lumps of sugar in that hemlock tea she serves you. <laughs> don't, wor- don't worry. It'll be sweet going down. Yes. What's that? The taste of almond. <laughs> what kind of brought you into writing books and being a published artist? So when I got to college, I was looking for a group that would work for my own, my own take on the world. Uh, and I didn't find that. And so I created a pagan society at uh, RISD and Brown and it expanded past that. And suddenly running a group, because I was like, I'm going to run a group. It's so really like, I want, I want to meet other witches and pagans. I guess I'm going to have to do this myself. I was deeply involved in, you know, trying to read as many books as I could so that we could have rituals and have discussions and classes. Uh, it's also where I met my friend who was um, producing Crescent Magazine, which was a pagan publication of art, philosophy, and belief. I uh, got involved with writing and editing for that magazine, as well as creating art. And so, you know, and reviewing books as well, because Llewellyn and Weiser and everybody else was sending us books to review. And once you are doing that and also creating a website, because it was the 90s, I like, well, I, I could write a book. And so I did. I started writing a book. Um, <laughs> I actually found my notes <laughs> from, from the early books. And funny enough, a lot of it still drives from what ended up in We the Liminal. Um, but my, my early attempts of writing a book were inhibited by um, a mother drive slash hard drive failure, like fried everything. And I just... I think that happened twice. <laughs> like, I'll take the sign from the universe. I'm going to stop on oh. the book. And then I got involved in dance. So um, that really became a big part of my life for many years. And then once my life changed again, I was like, you know, I was already writing a lot about dance. So like the writing part never left, but it was just more of like, well, I can write about witchcraft. Well, I'm going to be writing about dance because I'm really involved with the dance community. And like, well, next phase, just bring it back, bring it back to witchcraft. And I think it was 2015 is when I saw the proposal uh, call out for the Witch's Cauldron um, from, from Alicia. And I had already semi-proposed a book to Llewellyn for something else. And they're like, great, yes, yeah, send it to us. And I'm like, great, shit, I have to write it. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get a proposal accepted, then you have that realization. Oh, now I have, wait a minute, it was easy to write a proposal. Now we gotta write a book. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. especially when you you have like you know those was this not the speed dating what they called the speed proposals at PantheaCon, that was for what is now Visual Alchemy will be coming out in October, but it was like so close to my heart. I'm like, how do I rip this thing out and write about it? Oh, well, there's this cauldron book, and you know, so I'm really good at procrastination, and my procrastination works by taking on other projects. (laughs) So I'm, not, I'm not, not, not doing anything. Yes. Um, I can produce an amazing amount of artwork that has no relation to the art project I need to work on. Oh, I call I see. this so you're... productive procrastination. Yes. <laughs> procrastination. Yes. <laughs> what? Tell, what? Say TM, that word again. TM. Procrastination. <laughs> procrastination. <laughs> That's your next book. I mean, if you ever get to it, which is yeah. part of, you know, why it's the procrastination. Yeah. <laughs> now here you are, you've published several books, a couple of Oracle decks. You have your brand new Oracle deck. What was different about doing the Anatomy of the Witch Oracle deck, especially since you had this book that is very much a companion piece that was published last year? Yes. 
So uh, for this particular Oracle deck, it was conceived as I was writing Anatomy of a Witch, mm. uh, particularly between the first and second draft where I really was like, you know, it's all such a new concept and new material. Like there's nothing else like the, the Anatomy of a Witch out there. And I'm thinking, okay, how how else can I translate this material? Because I initially imagined that Anatomy of a Witch was going to be more of a fully illustrated book, like a beautiful look book that's a like more of an intro to witchcraft. And the thing is like, it's a highly philosophical book and a theoretical book. So it immediately bumps it up. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, you can be a beginner and read it, but you're still gonna mess huge huge parts of it that until you've really practiced and experienced you'd be like oh now I get what's going on here so like there's this level of understanding and then there's the deeper level and so I thought you know this would really lend itself to an oracle deck uh, because the the liminal spirits oracle the first oracle I did while it seems to connect to we the liminal it's really a concept into its own it takes some of the aspects in the deity and spirits chapter but it's still like out <laughs> It's sort of doing that, like, I can touch it from over here um, sort of relation where this is deeply integrated into the book, but you could still not ha- not read the book and work right. with the Oracle. Uh, so that's important too, because I don't want to be like, well, I was like, you have to, you have to buy all of my products in order to understand these things. Because <laughs> okay. even the Oracle deck comes with a great little book. I mean, yes. <laughs> double your pleasure. Yes. <laughs> I love this idea that the illustrations that you wanted to be in the book can end up being an oracle deck. When I did the illustrations, there are nine illustrations in the book. And I think eight of them I used in the oracle. But what I did was they were very washy, grayscale, almost uh, neutral tones to make a black and white illustration. And then they got fully colorized. by hand, <laughs> they are colorized. <laughs> I went back and added the layers. Right, so you have almost all of those now in the Oracle, as well as the um, the secret background that's on the cover. People are like, where'd you get the back of the the, the cards from? And like, it's on the cover of the book. Oh, yeah. Duh. Speak, see, see. Because yeah. they made it out a bit, so I think it's it's there. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into all of these cards, talk about which ones were some of your favorites and more magical making things. We'll be right back. Hey, Knit a Spell fans. Join our Patreon for just $13 a month to gain access to extended episode comments, episode outtakes, behind the scenes and bonus content, magical making tips, monthly polls to influence future topics and guests, and interact with your fellow patrons. Plus, you'll be supporting one of your favorite podcasts. Join today to gain access to our entire post history. Visit patreon.com forward slash light from lantern to learn more and sign up. Jim and I look forward to seeing you there. If you've ever been curious about getting a palm reading with my co-host James Devine, there's never been a better time than now. Not only does Jim offer empowering palm readings to help you tap into the hidden messages in your hands, he's also now offering Divine Hand Tarot readings for a limited time. Find out more about all of Jim's amazing offerings at thedivinehand.com and on his Instagram page where you'll find him as Divine Hand Jim. And we're back. So I'm excited because while we were on break, Tempest pulled out some of the originals of her designs. So we're excited to see what they are and where they might be ending up soon. Yes. Yeah. So the the ones that were in the... Oh, wow. 
This is the cauldron. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, oh. the ones that were imped. I wanted to do that one if made it in there or not. But if you look in Anatomy of a Witch, uh, actually, the one that's on the cover of the deck. Ah, yes. Of course, wow. one of my favorites because of the hand. Yes. <laughs> uh, that is uh, chapter six or seven, I think, in Anatomy of a Witch. Um, and they're they're just a oh. lot more, you know, pumped up with the color than they were originally. If I compared it to the scans, they were just very soft. Um, and so, so what's your medium that you're working with here? So these are all pen and ink with watercolor. Ooh, it's a commitment watercolor as we just were talking about <laughs> tremendous it, it, it is um it, you know it's completely different than the liminal spirits which was acrylic on birch panels so you have this wood oh. and if you look at the cards you'll see in some of them the wood grain working through because it's just a really smooth texture or not smooth has a texture, has a distinct texture. Uh, where with these, I was really thinking about anatomical and botanical drawings from, you know, turn of the century and going back earlier. I, I majored in printmaking at RISD's and I am especially an, an intaglio nerd. So engravings and etchings and uh, woodcuts are my jam. Um, even though I haven't used a press now in a long time. I'm still using a lot of those techniques and that, that has really influenced my, my drawings. Also alchemical drawings. Uh, the Golden Game, it's, I think it's right there. It's a yellow, big yellow spine book on my, my shelf as uh, all these alchemical engravings, right? So I really wanted to tap into that feeling with this deck. So they careful little pencil drawings, then they were all inked, and then they were watercolored by hand. Uh, and then so if, um, you will notice that these are white right ah yes oh but when you see mm -hmm. cards so this this is the digital magic is that i still did all of these here's a little I'll grab i don't know where that one is but we'll just hold it up for example right oh. is i digitally applied layers of parchment and vellum to the background because oh, i also yeah. want that aged look um than what the watercolor paper was going to give me. And the fun thing is, is that there are multiple templates that I made and move things around. So no background is exactly the same. Right. Oh, when, you look at, when you look at the cards, you can tell if it was any other deck, all the corners would look the same. Right. And so it looks like you painted yeah. every single background oh. separately. <sighs> So clever. Oh, do here. Here's a good comparison. All right, is the amulet tricky? Right. I mean, that is really. It gives you this when you look at those edges in the actual deck. It just gives you such a beautiful variation. Yeah, it's and absolutely I really love the beautiful. line work too. It's just everything is yeah so filled with motion, almost like it could have been done in a single line stroke. Some of it, which I just gives it so much energy. I love it. And I love this watercolor. I know a lot of your work to be the panels and the acrylic and, mm -hmm. you know, incorporating those textures. So it's nice to see. Like another side of Tempest. <laughs> yeah, more of that, you know, the range. I really think of you a lot as a visual artist first and then as a writer, because you've told me this. Do you still consider yourself a visual artist primarily? Yes. Yeah. So art has always been my primary language. 
Um, but I'm also, as I've always made art, I'm telling stories in my head. So, you know, it's exploring an idea. Um, I remember when I was a, a wee thing, I would just think, illustrate stories and there would be no actual written story, but I'd be like, this mermaid did this thing. And then there was this one and then there's that, you know, like, and just making page after page after page of, of that. And I think once you have already engaged in that sort of talking self, which I'm a Gemini. So of course ah, yes. I have, I have all the information. Let me mm. give it to you in six formats. Uh, so uh, it was pretty easy to tap into it. The funny thing though, is I can't really, uh, art and write at the same time. I have a writing brain and I have an, a visual art brain. So even though I have the best of intentions, like when I'm making things like these, I might scribble a couple words down to be like, oh, you know, as you're doing this one, it, this will be a good keyword for it or some message that wants to get across. But it's still not the same. Like I can't do back and forth. It needs to be, I'm either all making art or I'm all writing. Um, and nothing in between <laughs> yeah when you're drawing painting when you're doing visual art what do you find is magical like is there something that opens up for you as distinct from when you're writing how is it different magically or is it distinct magically i think so when you know i look at sympathetic magic you know when we're using candles and herbs and incense and oils and crystals and all that sort of thing right what do those do they just create a visual experience right as well as all the senses being activated and i look at whether it's a sigil or a painting i'm kind of doing the same thing too right i'm bringing in the colors and the marks and the sensations the fluidity of it to create the image that's in my head uh, so so much of my art starts with you know having a vision a dream getting a glimpse of something or someone and needing to put that down on a panel or a piece of paper uh, and it it really enters a beautiful quiet space in my head. It's a very trance-like where in time can pass, who knows how long, you know, I'm working on something and uh, I'm just in the zone, right? And it's just in one of the most relaxed states I can be in. Uh, you know, there are moments where I'm like, I can't get that. <laughs> the thing is not doing the thing I wanted to, uh, which is why you often do like, ink and acrylic right because it's a very fast medium i can't wait for the oils to be dry i just can't i can't do these long-term things i'm very now where with writing i'll have a concept i want to describe but it's it's a different structural process of like how how do i put the sentence together and how do i clarify these and add additional sentences to describe the concept so the person understands it you know i don't really worry about that so much with art do i worry about the the, the oxford comma while i'm drawing <laughs> different priorities yeah right. and there's definitely a language to art and pacing with perspective and shapes and orientations but it's just such a more of a primal um like or integrated intuitive process for me and you know well words words are my friends too i like i like words it just feels like there's so many more hoops so i'm very i'm really non-stressed when i'm writing i always feel like there's a certain level of like okay it's done um, yeah, so I can listen to music and podcasts and anything when I'm working on art. I only have instrumental music when I'm listening, when I'm writing, like can't, uh, can't do anything else. You had told us that the initial seven or eight designs for the cards came from your book. How then did you develop the remainder of the designs? Uh, 
So I thought about, okay, how, how do I take these concepts in the book and make them interactive and what's useful? Like as a witch, what's useful for me? Uh, because I think the primary, the best use for this deck is not necessarily divination about a situation in the future. It's a, what kind of ritual, what kind of spell, what kind of thing does my body need right now? And you could say that's divination, but it's still, it's more problem solving in some ways too so i looked at uh, like what things are important to your practice well uh the lunar solar festivals things like that right you know timing is important and the elements are important and then we have these different states of being whether it's birth or death or experience uh cleaning you know like these things that we do that are mundane right but are a major part of life and then we have these little more witchy actions of cleansing and banishing and blessing and healing. Uh, and then we have the artifacts because at the same time, when I was thinking about the body, if you're connecting to the body, you have things that are very specific. Like, um, you know, there's the, the witch braid. I'm still playing with the originals here. Ah, oh, the hands, of course, of course, Jim's gonna grab the hands. I'm like, I should grab the hand <laughs> card for Jim. Uh, you know, the witch braid. So we're talking about hair. Um, the witch bottle technically bodily fluids um, are often known in there. I mean, there is a chap, a little section in, in Anatomy of Witch, the book that's like, I could pee on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My dog uses it as her magical purpose all the time. Every right. time we go out. Yep. I really <laughs> feel that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and with the senses, right? So we have taste. Uh, you know, taste and smell, scent, aroma, um, touch, of course, vision, you know, all those different things. And so in creating all of these cards for the deck, was one in particular like a favorite or maybe a, one of the sections? So hard, right? Because they're all, they're all children. <laughs> they're all your babies. All, all right, well, babies. I'll ask you about one. How about that? Okay. All right. So one of the ones that I really loved, of course, was Protect, which ah. has stag I guess with the pentagram on the top and it's funny because I have a tattoo Ooh. okay how <laughs> you know yeah I know that there part we go. it so doesn't want to be seen sure. yes but it's it's like the same thing so I was like oh <laughs> it's my tattoo so uh this one is like one of my spirit animals the deer in general so I uh, would love to know a little more about this one that was actually one of the first ones, um, you know, outside of the, the illustrations that were for the book, right? That that got good course co-opted into that, and um, that one started the vision. So I had a vision of this sort of protective circle that is made up of, you know, I think it's got um, rue in it, and mugwort, and star anise, and I think rosemary. Mm. Um, so, you know, all of those are, are herbs of protection. And so seeing the circle, but also that kind of connection to the earth um, with, with the power of the, the deer, uh, the stag skull in there, and of course the red ribbon. Like when I think about protection and binding or the, the little um, satchels that my, you know, my aunts and grandmas would like stick in their bra, they're often like little red bags, right? Yeah. So all of those little bits of lore coalesced into that card. That's so beautiful. I highly recommend this deck to anyone who has listened so far and is like, I need to see more. And if you're not watching the YouTube video, now would be a great time to uh, scroll back a few minutes to see some of these amazing cards and originals that we've been looking at. So 
Ooh, I know. Okay, Jim wants to know <laughs> about like, the hand. Tell me the hand. <laughs> well, I mean, I know a lot about these symbols, but I want to hear from you. So, for the folks who who aren't watching along, hmm. we have the Manofiga, the Mano Cornuta, and then we have the Hamsa or the uh, Hand of Fatima, right? Uh, all kind of mixed in there, and those are three big important ones to me. There are so many other things that we could done but the the two particularly on the end the medallions I, i'm wearing a mano cornuta right now i also have lots of manifigas right <laughs> uh, very heavy into mediterranean culture as a symbol of protection empowerment as well as a bit rude <laughs> it has some roots some of them have a little bit more rude meanings to them and then also as someone who's been involved in folkloric and middle eastern and arabic dance all the variations you know that the hand of fatima which also crosses over into jewish culture you know so again that comes down through the line uh, and then the the eye the, you know, the seeing eye within that so against the evil eye so another layer of protection and this connection and peace to it but the the kind of the fun pun for that card too and, and the the prescription for it because there's a description and then there's a prescription is like you need to get hands-on so when you <laughs> you get this it's like all right stop being like i'm just going to do a meditation and it's like all right what physical things are you going to get active what are you going to do with your hands hopefully you can do something right that is crafty that is alternating things not just thinking about it reading about it listening about it doing the thing um so that's brought into it too i love this because yes. you have a snake around the egg. Mm -hmm. You have a also that image sort of holding the paintbrushes with the, the music out of it. This is a very, very much knit a spell type of card. Yeah. You got, you got the little needles in there. Your ability to draw hands is unparalleled. <laughs> I never can. <laughs> Just, were you just always a natural artist like growing up? My parents are really creative. My mom was very crafty and uh, she was doing craft shows and things like that when I was little. And my dad has been an artist of sorts and a designer. Uh, so I grew up with some of his paintings and installations and dioramas in the house. Uh, but the kind of the funny thing is around three, really wanted to take gymnastics because this was the time of Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to be a little gymnast. And I could, I was not a very coordinated small child. Let's not go over well. Um, and then the, the, the poor instructors are like, your child is not quite fit for gymnastics, perhaps something else. And so at three, I started taking art classes. Um, they're like, well, she likes art. And that seems safe. <laughs> you have to go. be coordinated for art, right? Sometimes, <laughs> no, <laughs> right, yeah, not necessarily. True. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, the joke is, you know, by my time I was in college, I was taking dance and became a professional dancer. So there's different levels of coordination. I'm just not going to be flipping myself over bars and balancing. Yeah, <laughs> your joints will probably thank you for that in the long run too. Pretty much, you know. Remember the first art classes around third grade, and then not third grade, age three, and then at first grade, I started going to more formal art classes. Uh, where it was like once a week at a very prestigious local art school and then go traveling over into Philadelphia every Saturday after that um, for, for that program too. So then that just continued all the way to college. So what other projects do you have that are coming up? You must have something in the works. <laughs> or eight. <laughs> Anything you can, that you share can with tell us? us about. Yeah. Or yeah. events, you know, it doesn't have to be projects. I, uh, well, yeah, because so right now, like, 
from book 10 or 11. So Visual Alchemy comes out in October. Uh, and that's the follow up to sigil witchery um, and going deeper into art and magic as Ooh. ritual and practice and really making art accessible to everybody because that's the other thing too is I think everybody can do art and that society has really fucked us up in a way to say that art is separate that mm -hmm. art is elitist that art is for the few it's for the rich like fuck that shit art is for everybody this is your right like we all were doing finger painting like you can still do that and tap into it it's it's because we often many of us were talked out of drawing and painting and doing the thing, right? Oh, you can't make mm -hmm. money at that. That's just silly, right? That we've yes. lost that. Or right? we've also, it's judgmental. Like, is that art good? Yeah. Because it's photorealistic or it meets a standard. Do you find that's also a block? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, is, is this good enough to go on the walls? Like, you know, half the stuff that ends up in a museum isn't even the best artwork from any of these people. And it's all who knew a guy. And, you know, yep. it, it's such an arbitrary nonsense system. And I think that art can be healing and beneficial. Uh, and people are like, well, I just, you know, I always get the, especially with sigil witchery, I can't even, you know, draw a straight line with a ruler. I can't, I go and do stick figures. And every single person who's taken that workshop who's told me that has, you know, two weeks later going, look, I drew the thing. You're like, I know, I know you can do the thing. You can do that. Like, if you can write your name, you can make a sigil. It might, <laughs> it's, it's not going to look like mine and it shouldn't because they're yours and your background and your experience and your hand is going to bring to it. Uh, so I feel that is true in, in everything we do. So I'm, I'm very, everybody do art. Sure. It might not sell at a gallery, but you're going to be better, feel better, and connect more with the parts of yourself that are hard to dig into yes. um, through that. So that will be out in October. And um, we talked about a little bit of the break. We have the exhibition at the Buckland Museum of, <laughs> Buckland Museum of Witchcraft. It's the Buckland Museum of Arts. Buckland Museum of Witchcraft. <laughs> Different well, kind of that's, museum. That would be appropriate. The Buckland Museum of the Art Magical. Of Witchcraft. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> spelled specially uh and so the end of september where you're um i think it's september 24th 25th we're doing the opening for that and that will be up for i'm not sure how long where uh, is the buckland museum of which is in cleveland ohio oh what, what? <laughs> yes it'll be, it'll be a nice little tour out and do some stops and um to, you know on the way around and back so it'll be good oh yeah that'll be fun all right Fabulous. so where can people find you on instagram and your website and all of those fun things and patreon too i believe you have right yes all the things so i do have a link tree uh so that's alchemy and alchemy is spelled weird um because i have quirky and a dork it's o-w-l-k-e-y-m-e um, and so you use that for Linktree, it's alchemy.arts on Instagram, lauratempestsackcroft.com will also get you to all the places. So I'm not too hard to find. And we'll have everything linked in our show notes to make it super easy too. So Yay. also we have a past show where we talked about sigils yes. and sigil magic. And we talked a lot about Tempest and recommended her book sigil witchery yes sigil witchery so go back and we'll link that in our show notes listen to our show our past show about sigils and sigil magic where we talk about tempest and we'll link again to her book on sigil magic which is foundational to what my coven has done and what katie has read about sigil magic mm -hmm. and the anytime you can take like we said in that episode when Tempest is doing a, a class on sigil witchery, on sigil magic, 
be it on Zoom or in person, take period that period class period because it is fantastic. Exactly what she said. If you can write your name, you can make a sigil. It frees your mind to realize you are more artistic and magical than you realize, most likely. Oh, Tempest, this was so much fun. We definitely want to have you back because this is only scratching the surface of your amazing talent. And I certainly have many more follow-up questions. So thank you so much for making time for us. And Jim, as always, it's been a pleasure. I adore you. I love you, Tempest. I love you, Katie. This has been so much fun and so relevant. Art and magic and magic and art together and bunnies. That's and right. Kittens. <laughs> Well, there wasn't any kittens. How come you didn't let the cats in to there's disrupt? A, there's a cat right there. Whoa. <laughs> oh, well, of course. <laughs> no, the I cats are sleeping on Nathan downstairs. So <laughs> if he if he is in a horizontal position, there are cats on him, and I am I am not worthy. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not good nap territory. You're but th th thank you all so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Awesome. All right, everybody. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for, Thanks listening. for listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify, or following Knit a Spell on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Light from Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces. You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Devine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at Divine Hand Jim. Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. You'll even receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you See next, you next week. week.